0: Welcome to the March edition of Winning at Home's Home Run Club. I hope you are enjoying some of these early spring days that we're experiencing together. So thankful for the seasons and how God renews our earth. And I hope you're celebrating this season with your family. And interestingly though, this season I'm going to share with you a specific message that I shared a while back about shattered expectations those things in family life that come your way that you don't really want to come your way but in reality all of us in some sense deal with something in our family where we go mm, that wasn't what I was hoping and as I share this message with you it's very personal it's very real from my own family my own life and yet I would say to you today I shared this with somebody this weekend I look back at the last 10 years And with all the pain, with all the sorrow, with all the hurt, I wouldn't trade it and go back and do it over another way because it's what's created depth in me of knowing how much God loves me and how much he cares for me and how much he's actually using all of this for his glory. And so I pray for you in your life as you listen to this that it will be an encouragement to you and that God will draw you close to him in whatever situation or circumstances you're facing as a family that this message would be an encouragement to you and so let's go to be now sharing it and just ask the Lord to use it to give you a closeness in your continuing relationship with him this is the message i was given to preach on and the title is shattered expectations when things in your family don't work out the way you were thinking and i was like hey i'm that guy i'll take that message and so today i'm going to come and i'm going to preach from my heart what i think the lord has laid on my heart for you and i hope it's a great encouragement to you but anna literally just leaned over to me and said dad share from your heart and share it all and know that I'm supporting you saying what you're saying today because if the things we've been through as a family can help another family, encourage them, that's why we're here. So thank you, Anna, first of all, for that spirit and that freedom to come and preach today. And I just pray the Lord will use it to touch your heart and touch your life. I'm going to tell you a Bible story from the book of Judges today, Judges chapter 13. Uh, Before I jump into that, though, I want to tell you that I go back... And as I watched today, a lot of you walking in with kids in your arms or a young family, you know, I I see you walk in. And I took myself back to that day. And I recalled in my second year of ministry, second year of ministry, Jane and I are here in the Holland area. The Lord is blessing the work that we're doing. And I went to a conference in Cincinnati, Ohio. I remember where I sat. In fact, it's ironic. There's little round tables in the back. Today, and I remember sitting about that very back row on the back table with a buddy of mine who was about my age in ministry. And a guy walked up on the stage in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was all pastors in the room. And he began to talk about shattered expectations that he had had in his family life and in his ministry. And I sat at the back table, and this guy was saying things like, I've lost friendships. Uh, my children have been through great challenges, and he he talked about I wanted to walk away, I wanted to quit, and I'm in the back now. Y'all got to get. I've only been in ministry two years, and it's rocking and rolling, man. I have not seen any valleys. I am just peaking, and I remember I remember turning to my buddy at the table. And I turned to him and I was like, "This guy is messed up. Like he needs counseling." Because he had talked about how he wanted to maybe get away from it all. And I, I, I remember saying, my buddy was Doug. And I was like, Doug, we need to talk to this guy after. We need, we need to tell him how to do it. Because I was 30 and I knew everything. And I walk up here today and I am that man. I am that man. And I want to say to those of you who are here today and you're 30... And things are rocking and rolling. Or maybe you have some issues, but they're small. I, 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 I'm just going to tell you, this is a sermon that it might be beneficial. Fold it up several times. Tuck it in your back pocket. Because in a few years, you might go, I need to look at that again. And after I have preached this morning, first service, the number of people my age who walked up to me crying with a hug, is more than those of you who are in your 20s. And I thought a lot. I sat on a little stool in my office, and I thought, okay, how do I talk to a 20-year-old today about shattered family expectations? And certainly there would be plenty of those. But you have in your mind, I know what you have in your mind, well, when I do get married someday, it's going to be really good, and I won't deal with some of these things. I was that guy. I'm, I'm telling you, I was that man. And today as I get to share this message with you, I want you to know I'm sharing it from a standpoint of I'm so thankful that the Lord has allowed me to go through these things because I'm such a better man because of it. I'm more secure in Him. I am more solid in knowing how much He loves me. And today I want you to experience that in your own personal life even as we share this message together. I'm going to take you... To the book of Judges, Judges chapter 13. I'm going to tell you a story about Samson. Even uh, as I was working on this message, uh, Pastor Steve in our office, Pastor Steve Norman, who you've met here as well, he wrote these messages. And so he put it around this idea of Samson. And I called him in my office and I said, why did you choose Samson? He said, one verse. There's one verse in the story. I said, that makes sense to me. And we'll get to that verse But let's set it up. Let's go through what this family was thinking that's a lot like what I was thinking when I was sitting at the table 30 years ago. So the story I'm going to read to you from Judges 13 is Samson. And I want to take you back to 3,500 years ago. The Israelites had been taken out of slavery. They had worked their way to this place of peace, and then 40 years had kind of passed, and they were just unhappy. They weren't happy with their leader, Moses. They weren't happy with how things were going, and things got negative, and they turned on each other and turned on the nations around them, and again, they were in great distress. The Bible says... In the book of Judges, chapter 13, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. We need to pause there a second. Think about it. Some of you are not yet 40 years of age. Think about it. That's how long this story was being set up. They raised their families there, had kids there. That's just the way it was. And 40 years in, we kind of reach this place where God decides to do something. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah from the clan of the Danites, cool clan, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth, valueless in that society. In that culture, she would have felt like, what's my purpose? Giving giving birth to a child and being a woman and a mother in that culture was the peak of everything that you did. So there's this lady, we don't even know her name, scriptures do not say her name, Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, that's all we know. So you got this lady who can't have kids. An angel of the Lord appeared to her and said to her, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. And those were the rules. Those were the requirements. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Any mom in here. Any lady in here, any person in here, just picture in your mind, you've gone all those years, you can't have a baby, you're childless, you show up at the women's events, and all the ladies have kids, everything, and you can't have one. You, for years, have you have lived like, man, I'm, just not, I'm not as valuable as these other ladies. Not as important as these other ladies. And I wish I could have a kid. And now an angel comes to you. And tells you, not only are you going to have a kid, you're going to have a kid that's going to rock it out. And this kid is going to bring great joy to the nation of Israel. So this woman goes from despondency to elation. Like, this is ultimate joy for a lady in that culture. Just just loving it. The Bible says in Judges chapter 13, the woman gave birth to a boy. Named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in Meneadan between Zorah and Estel. So not only is he born, not only is God bringing this little baby into the world, not only is she blessed, not only is angels speaking to her, the spirit of God is moving in the boy. I mean, every parent in here, (laughs) when you get that phone call, that text, that email from school, um, from a neighbor, from another person in your family, going, I was hanging out with your kid today, and I'm just telling you, the spirit inside them was—it was so Christ-like. This is a parent. You're like, oh yeah feels wonderful. That's what this mom and dad are experiencing like all these years of barrenness. And now, oh my goodness, look how God is working and moving up to this point in the story. Every barren, every person, every family member is going, yes, this is awesome. And then the story begins to take an ugly turn. We don't have any ages of Samson in any of this story. Even when Samson, for those of you who know, at the end of his life pushed the pillars and the Philistines were killed. We don't know how old he was when that happened. But theologians, scholars guess that what I'm about to read to you, this next little part, he was probably 18, 19, or 20. And that's going to make sense as we read this. Look at Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah. And saw there a young Philistine, the enemy, the one you're not supposed to go hang out with. He goes down and sees them and sees this Philistine woman from another camp, another tribe, the people on the other side of the river that we don't hang out with. Samson goes there and sees her. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. This is why you know he must be 18. Now get her for me. As my wife. Look at the spirit that changed. Some of you who have a teenager. And teenager, you're sitting here right now. And you're going to understand what I'm saying. Sometimes when your parents are just talking to you, there's just that thing inside you that wants to go, stop talking. I don't want to hear you right now. You try not to do that because you know that will lead to losing all your screens or whatever. But you, you feel that. That's where Samson was. And his parents, the dad and mom had to be looking going, where'd that spirit-led field boy go? He's shattering their dreams. He's rejecting the family guidelines. He's rejecting the cultural traditions. He's, re, he's rejecting the religious tradition. You pick it. He's rejecting it and saying, I want to do what I want to do. And I saw this woman that I like and I want her no matter what. And look what his mom and dad did. They said, isn't there any, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? I mean, they're sitting at the table going, but son, we got great family here. Look around. I mean, next week on Thursday, we're going to gather with all the people from our family in this area. Can't you pick somebody? Do you have to go to the end? In- you know how everybody feels about those listenings. And now you're going to go and get a wife from there? Why do you want to do this to us, son? Don't you know we're not going to sleep over this? And so the story goes on. Samson said to his dad, get her for me. She's the right one. (laughs) When you're 18, 19, and 20, you just know what's right. You just see it all. And I say that obviously a bit facetiously because you can't. With all due respect to those of you who are teenagers in here today, love you to death, I promise you, I promise you, when you get my age, you will look back and say, It probably would have been beneficial for me to listen to those who were a little wiser and a little older. It would have saved me a bit of pain. I sat very cocky as a 30-year-old man at a table in Cincinnati. And I got to tell you, the journey from that table to preaching here today, it would have benefited me to have listened to that gentleman a little closer. And to have said to myself, Lord, if you choose to ever allow me to be in that circumstance, help me to fully honor you. It would have benefited me to listen. And then, the verse that I want to show you, that is the centerpiece of this entire story of the book of Samson, is coming on the screen right now. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord. Who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over israel i want you to look at that phrase his parents did not know let me just tell you as i'm sitting thinking about this text i'm going okay okay what doesn't make sense to me here lord is when the angel came and said hey this is going to happen and this is what's going to go down and i'm going to bless you barren lady and i'm going to let you be able to have a child and he's going to rock the world for israel i i I need to also drop a little hint it's not going to be fun Like, you're going to go through some great trial. Didn't tell her that. All she knew was the upside and the joy. But God was up to something that was not humanly visible. And I pause today to say, I don't know and cannot say in every circumstance that I've seen that that is true. But I'm challenging you today to consider that something you're going through in your personal life and in your family that's very, very difficult, I challenge you to consider God might be up to something bigger than you can see right now. And that's a big statement. And I tell you, my journey from the table to here today, I know without question I'm a better man because of it. I'm a better father, I'm a better husband to Jane, I'm a better man as a person, through surrender, through pain, and through countless nights of hurt, and I want you to know, I do not preach this message today in despondency, Or, mm -mm. I preach it with joy. Because God did something in my life from that table to here, I get this verse. Don't know how it's going to finish. Don't understand it all. But I'm going to believe that God works in ways I cannot see. And I challenge you today to understand that even your Bible hero, Samson, didn't do it all right. In fact, in this story... It takes a pretty serious turn. Samson marries this girl, stays married for You ready? Ten days. What parent wouldn't be proud? <laughs> ten days. It was a Hollywood wedding. It was all for show. Married ten days. He gets married. In fact, it, it tells a little more in the story. If you read it later in the day, you'll see that he gets married. He, he sees this... Carcass that has honey in it and he pulls it out and takes it down he gets this riddle to the people in the area and then they can't answer the riddle and then his wife tricks him into getting the answer. He lived a lot of his life being tricked, being used. He was a womanizer. He chased prostitutes. No parent would have been like, let me tell you about my good boy Samson. He got him another girl last night. What parent would have wanted to go back and said, Great news, my son got married. Guess what? It lasted 10 days. No. Disappointment. This mom had to have days where she sat by herself. And and this mom had to have a moment where she sat by herself and said, I'm pretty sure that was an angel. It told me this little boy is going to be mine and make a mark for the kingdom. I'm pretty sure that I heard from the Lord on that. I'm pretty sure as I was reading my Bible, some of you need to hear this. Pretty sure as I was reading my Bible, I just sensed the Lord going, I'm going to use this for my glory. But it sure doesn't feel like it. And she went back to the ladies' meetings, you know, maybe on a Thursday night. And they're like, well, how's it turning out, Manoah's wife, Samson's mom? Is he is he doing what you were thinking? Well, right, right now, he's down actually with, hanging out with some Philistines. What? I thought he was going to help Israel. I I think eventually he's going to turn the corner. She had to be feeling all that. So don't read these things and don't read your Bible thinking they don't connect with pain because there's lots of pain in this passage. In fact, in Judges 14, it gives a little bit of a synopsis of it. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Askelon. He struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Think about this. It would be like you're married to your wife, and then you come back, and your wife's been given to somebody else. I mean, this is like nightmare story. And you know the rest of the story. Samson went through great trials, and the hair was completely cut off his head. He lost all power. And then his hair began to grow, and then he obviously accomplished great things for the kingdom of God. The Lord did use him to begin to bring back Israel against the Philistines. And that's the story. When, when we read the stories, a little story in the you know kids' stories, we read it, we love the story, but we didn't realize how much pain was in the story. We didn't realize how much the parents of this kid had to struggle. And today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about your shattered expectations. The things that you are personally having in your life that you say, how do I overcome that? And I want to give you a few thoughts related to that. And the first one is very simple. I want you to make sure you understand it's okay for you to grieve the loss. (laughs) If if you've experienced great family pain and and you find yourself going, well, I, I can't stop and grieve this or whatever. No, stop and sit and go, this stinks. This is not what I had hoped for. I remember a specific day that I walked into the house And Jane was crying really hard. I walked in the house. She was crying hard. And I walked over to her. I was like, I'd come in from work. I'm like, what's going on? Something happened? No. Why are you crying so hard, babe? What's going on? And she literally, these are literally the words out of her mouth. So many shattered dreams. And I just sat down by her. there, There really aren't words. I can't sit down and go, oh, here, this will fix it. Mm-hmm. Nope. And some days you just need to understand as a human, God gave you an emotion called tears and crying. If you have something with one of your children, you have something with one of your siblings, you have something with your parents. This message can work totally in reverse. Somebody here today is crying because you have a parent who wasn't a parent to you. It's okay to grieve, it's okay to feel loss. It's okay to have pain. I I give you permission. The Bible gives you permission. Jesus wept himself. And I'm telling you, I believe that Manoah and his wife had days where they sat and cried. And that's okay. I remember one day, in my lowest points, my lowest point, a guy walked into my office and I thought he came in to encourage me. And he walked in, and he said to me, Hey, Dan? I said, Yeah. He said, Things still tough with your family? I said, Yeah. And he literally said these words, Have you figured out what you did wrong yet? I held my cool. He was 30, so I thought, Okay, he's clueless. He doesn't have this pain. He hasn't had this pain. I hope he never does. Wow, Lord, this is hard. I remember he left the office, and I was like, This stinks. It's okay to grieve. But I want to quickly say, don't stay there. Don't finish your life in grief. I know parents who have had something happen, situation in their life. Some of you experienced a situation in your life. Don't stay there. You came to a place today where we talk about this redemption, Jesus, who can heal that. Who can walk with you through the pain of that at winning at home we have gifted clinical counselors who can walk along beside you because there's definitely people sitting in this size of an audience whose life has been shattered do not allow your grief to overwhelm you and keep you there that's not what jesus desires for you and i ask you to consider today if you are in that place grieve hurt the loss is hard now let's go forward let's see how the lord can use this for his glory And I challenge you in that because I'm telling you from personal experience, it's easy to stay in the grief. It's easy to lay in bed and reminisce about what you could have done better. And I challenge you, get up, take a step. I believe that Manoah and his wife had to keep daily going, I still believe there's a big picture here. There's something going to happen. This stinks. Ten days marriage, that was rough. But we're going to make it. And we're going to go forward. And I want you to look at your circumstance today and say, I'm going to grieve this, because this really sucks and I don't like it, but I'm not staying here. I'm going to move forward. And then secondly, and this kind of ties with something you were taught a few weeks back. Secondly, I want you to pray for protection. So, I'm going to be very vulnerable here. Uh, Pastor Adam had sent me a message that pastor Kevin Harney preached I know pastor Kevin wonderful helps assist here wonderful church in California and I was listening to his message at the beginning of the message he talked about he talked with you about his children and how they are serving the Lord and then they got married and they married to children who are serving the Lord they're doing that together etc etc and he shared this story or he shared this thought with you make sure from the beginning, from infancy, when you find out the child is in the womb, pray over them, pray for their spouse, pray for their future, etc. I did all that. I, I did all that from their childhood. When my kids were inside mom's womb, I prayed over all of them. My story didn't turn out as, as perfect as Kevin's. And he would tell you it's not perfect, but I'm just saying, my situation hasn't been the same so i want to just say this real clearly so dan you're not a good prayer he's a better prayer than you i don't think so so Dan, he, he did it better than you maybe but i don't think what this is that's not what this is about let me just share this with you the responsibility for you as a parent is to pray you don't make choices for your adult children you pray and you trust the Lord with it. And if it turns out great, celebrate with great thanksgiving. But make sure, make sure you don't take all credit for that, which Pastor Kevin does not do. He gives glory to the Lord. If you're here today and your family is killing it, thank the Lord. If they're struggling, don't you dare underestimate your prayers. Your prayers are mighty and they matter and you need to continue to pray for protection. Your children make their choices. Your choice today is to be a person of prayer for your family. And that cannot be taken away. I pray every day, Jane and I pray every day for our family and the family members by name every day. Do we have a perfect family? Nope. But are they covered in prayer every day? Yes. Because we trust the Lord with them and I ask you today to be a person of prayer over your family it is a gift to your family when my mother passed away I remember I had to go to a speaking engagement I said goodbye to her at a hospital in Easley, South Carolina this mom who prayed for me every day by name and for many of those especially early years I did not appreciate that I still recall being a teenager and be out late on Saturday night, Friday night. And mom, oh, if this is my bedroom right here, if this is my bedroom, we had a front porch on the house, and my room was right next to it. And mother prayed on the front porch. And she always picked this chair that was right by the window <laughs> where I slept. And as a teenager, I can still remember my mom on the front porch on her knees. Praying toward that window, looking back, I think this was purposeful. And she would pray, Lord, get Danny. My real name's Danny. Lord, get a hold of Danny's heart. Lord, use Danny for your glory. And I remember as a teen, like, putting the pillows over my ears going, Lord, stop her from talking so loud. I need to sleep. Oh, and then when I said goodbye to her, and I drove away that last day, I would see her. I remember looking right at her and going, Mom, I'm going to miss your prayers. Yeah. Yeah. And I realize standing up here, some of you who are teenage, 13, 12, 10, 17, 18, you're looking at me going, that's kind of weird. He prays over them every day. That'll make more sense to you in the years ahead. But I would challenge you today, start doing it now. Pray every day for your parents. Pray for your siblings. You say, pray for my sibling? Yeah, obviously you know they need it by that reaction. (laughs) Pray for them. Pray for your family. Pray for protection over your family. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Are you guys seeing what social media is doing to our kids? Are you seeing what's going on in our culture related to things that are being thrown at an 8-year-old in this room right now? I had two grandkids in the last service. They're 10 and 8. My goodness, the stuff thrown at them is crazy. Lord, protect them. Protect their lives. In fact, we're going to pause and do that. Lord, I pray protection over kids today. Teenagers, students, who are going through great challenges and trials and times that uh, culture throws some pretty crazy stuff at them. Help them to have discernment. Help them to see truth and know truth. Thank you that coming here, they hear truth. Help them to continue to have your protection and blessing over their lives. And we lay... All the kids think about all the kids right now down in the children's ministry. Bless them, watch over them, and the ones here in the room and online. Bless us, help us to have protection over those children, help them to grow up to be mighty men and women for the cause of the kingdom. Amen. And then the third thing that I want you to do is um, ask the Lord for insight, ask God to give you insight into what you're experiencing and going through. Like today, your circumstances, you go, I don't like this. Shift your mindset to, Lord, what are you teaching me? This is what I do in my life. When I face a great trial, I will go by myself at a place and go, Lord, what? Are you, what? Are, what? there's something good that you're trying to do here for me. What is it? And today what I'm going to do I sit in my office, and I'm in a different place than the other pastors who have spoken here on this family talk series on this shattered area. I'm a little older. I have been through some things, and I sat on my stool, and I was like, Lord, show me what are some things I've experienced, I've been through that will be beneficial to the other pastors here, to the other staff here, to the other people who are a part of just attending the Redwood campus today, what are things I've learned that I could maybe encourage them with? Again, I preach this message out of a place of of joy in Christ. So, Lord, what is it I've learned? And here here are a few of those things. I have have several. I'm just going to read them off to you. The first one is this. I have learned that shattered dreams in my family do not define who I am in Christ. That's really good for someone to hear today you got a tough situation. And you, you, you're trying to make meaning of it. You're trying, you're trying to figure out why. And I invite you to step into a place of saying, Jesus, you know what? No matter how shattered this gets, no matter the size of the shards, my purpose for you is secure. Like I'm, I'm telling you all today, I'm supposed to preach a message for Jesus today. I don't know what I might have to face as a person in my family, etc. But I know I want to be solid in preaching that message for Jesus. And I want you to know your life has that same purpose. God is using you and only you to fulfill that call and that mission of your life that no one else can fulfill because they're not in your life. You're 16, and you can do something no chance I or anyone else in this room will ever be able to do. Be at a place where no matter what you're facing, you use that for God's glory. It's a big deal. And then secondly, right on top of that is do all you can to stay healthy emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the work you're called to do. I want you to hear this again. Do all you can to stay healthy because I'll tell you what happens. I'm going to tell you what happened to Manoah and his wife. There had to be days when they walked into their room and said, well, I don't know, it's, this is pretty discouraging, isn't it? That wasn't a very good wedding. And now he's, what? why do you think he doesn't want to hang out with our family and hang out with our tribe and, and be around our people? What's, they could have stayed there. And let me just say say this, too, for those of you in an extended family situation. If you work to stay really healthy, emotionally, physically, spiritually, if you work to do that, can I just tell you something? There are actually family members who will attack you for that. They will actually say that you're the problem. Oh, Mr. Perfect, Ms. Perfect. No, I'm just trying to be healthy. Followers of Christ seek to stay healthy for their purpose and their calling. Feel no guilt for that. Sit sometimes with your family and say to yourself, I'm not the wacko. They are. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the Seinfeld fell. I mean, I'm not, yeah, it was the uh, Everybody Loves Raymond episode where finally Ray looks at his parents and goes, This whole time, it was you. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Don't do that at Thanksgiving, but think it. <laughs> think to yourself, we're followers of Christ. We hang out with some pretty regular steady people. We're over at Redwood. we got good friends. We're not the weirdos here. Because unhealthy family members will make you think you are. And they will blame it on you. And let me tell you where it comes from. Jealousy. And wanting to be better. So don't take somebody else's dysfunctionality on yourself. Stay healthy emotionally, physically, and spiritually to fulfill your calling. A third little thing I wrote down. I just want to give you this as a piece of advice. Don't try to have rational conversations with irrational people. Don't waste your time. State what you need to state and move on. Many of you in here today who are dealing with a rebellious teenager. And you go, oh, I'm going to go down to the basement and have one more. This will do it. And you go down there and it didn't work. When people are irrational... You can't have rational conversations. State the facts, move on. Get counsel for those who are not in a good, healthy spot. That's something that I've discovered to be very beneficial for me because I am a fixer by nature. If I could just talk to them, they'll get better. And I realize, no, I need to make sure I stay healthy right here because when I'm healthy, then I give my family a healthy me. That's the best thing that I could do. And somebody here with shattered expectations needs to consider today what steps could I do and take to be healthy for me. Number four, the goal of life is to draw closer to God. Shattered expectations is a great opportunity to do just that. I have several pastor friends who going from that circle table in the back to here They sat with me at those tables, at those meetings, several of them. Then their kids chose to go wayward lifestyles, chose to walk away from Christ, chose to do those things. Those guys who I was friends with, several of them are not in ministry today because they couldn't handle that. And I say to you today... You make sure you understand, like, I saw all the things that have come in my family, though they aren't perfect and I don't like them, they have pushed me closer to Jesus. And ultimately, that is the goal of this life. So someone sitting here today, you have the opportunity through what you're facing as a family to go deeper in Jesus. Choose that. It's a choice. Choose that. Samson's parents chose that and ultimately his life was used for God's glory. Even And death. And then I have a a whole lot more, but the last one I want to share with you is is a simple thought. Trust the Lord to do His work even through the most difficult of times. Trust Him to do His work even through the difficult times. So I got off the plane two Fridays ago. I got off the plane for a little trip. And I walked uh, off and was walking down that little runway kind of thing, you know, that goes back where you get your luggage and all that stuff. And I'm walking there, and all of a sudden I just hear someone yelling, Seaworn, is that Dan C. Warren? And I was like, yeah, that's me. I don't really want to talk right now, but that's me. <laughs> and I turn, and it was a lady who was um, one of the youth sponsors when I was a youth pastor. I recognized her instantly. I won't say her name to protect her. She would let me say it, but I'm going to protect her. And so I turned, I went, oh, and I called her by name, and I, oh. And she said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. And, and I knew that just a few months ago her husband passed away. And I said, I'm so sorry I heard about your husband passing. She said, yes. And she said, we talked for a while. And then she said this, Dan, do you remember when I was youth sponsor with you? Do you remember all that I went through with my daughter? And I said, oh, I do. I know her. I can see her daughter right now in my mind. I know her name really well. She said, you you remember how much I cried? I said, I do. And she said, you you remember she got pregnant in high school? You remember how shattered I was? I said, I do. And she started crying, and she said, that little girl is 20 now. And she said, when my husband died, that little girl drove all the way from Chicago just to hug me. And she has loved me. And, Dan, I'm telling you what, what I thought was a curse back that day has become one of the biggest blessings I'll ever know in my life. I just started weeping. I started crying. hugged her. I said, isn't that how God works? What looks like a shattered expectation is actually something He uses for our glory and His name's sake. And today, some of y'all got shattered stuff. And a shard actually sticking out today. I invite you to look at your life and say, if I see it through his lens and what he's doing, what maybe could God be doing that would be really beneficial for his kingdom? I'm not telling you it's easy, but I'm inviting you to step into that place. And we pause to do that together in prayer, Lord. We take shattered dreams we take family stuff and we lay it at your feet today. We're going to trust that you're doing something and Lord, we're not going to walk away from you because of it. In fact, there might be one here today who has never even said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. Maybe they're sitting here feeling shattered. Help help them as an individual today to realize you came to redeem. And right now, simply through this prayer we confess we're all sinners and we ask you to forgive us of our sin and allow us to become your children and I ask you to watch over our families as we come to next Thursday and all hang out together for Thanksgiving bless those occasions help us to see through some of the things that are very painful to maybe what you want to do and Lord teach me how to be a little more humble and more like you through this and we lay these These prayers at your feet, we we pray over all those who are here this morning that your protection and care would be given to them and to their families. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And again, I would just encourage you to use whatever the Lord used in this message to speak to your heart, to let it draw you closer to him. Ultimately in life, that's what this life is about that everything we face would draw us close to Christ. I recently saw a quote from Charles Spurgeon that said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. What a great quote. What a great thought. And most of us don't like the waves and don't like the bashing against the rocks, but it's in those times that God takes us deeper. So I pray the Lord will use this in your life. Thank you for supporting what we do here at Winning at Home. We have many things going on. We continue to seek to minister to those who are calling in. Uh, Last month, we received over 200 calls of people needing assistance and guidance. We were able to see most of those, but we're continuing to seek to add staff just to minister to the needs. People quite often talk about, you know, what events are you doing? And I found myself thinking, We do an event every week because we're constantly trying to provide the resources and the services to families to continue to bring hope and healing and help to them. And I've had the privilege recently of speaking around the country, different places, Atlantic City, some opportunities in different places and states. And I'm just so grateful for the spirits moving, uh, pointing people directly to Christ and seeking to be strong in that. So thank you for your prayers, your support and for believing in what we do. And may the Lord bless you as you go through this month of March. May his peace rest upon you and your home and your family. And may you continue to win at home.